Jewish Latin Princess, episode 91, Paula Iselt, director of 93 Queen. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess podcast by Yael. Every week, get your dose of inspiration from the world's most uniquely talented Jewish women and from Yael herself. Seeking profound and practical ways to live a joyful, richer Jewish life? Welcome to Jewish Latin Princess podcast. And now, Jewish lifestyle expert and bilingual blogger at jewishlatinprincess.com, your host, Yael. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Yael Trush. Today we move to the film industry. I have the director of the documentary, 93 Queen, Paula Iselt. 93 Queen is Paula's feature directorial debut. And what a film this is. It's had screenings at dozens of film festivals around the world. You may have caught it already. I had the pleasure of watching the screening in Houston, Texas recently. And let me tell you, this film totally delivered. Most recently, the film was nominated for the 2018 Women Film Critics Circle Karen Morley Award for Best best exemplifying a woman's place in history or society and a courageous search for identity. In September 2018, 93 Queen was broadcast on PBS prestigious award-winning series POV. And check this out. It was the sole documentary film in 2018 to be selected to receive marketing support from the New York City's mayor's office made in New York film program. Isn't that cool? So Paul is here with us today and we go behind the scenes, literally. Why did Hasidic women from Borough Park allow this film to be made, considering that they were already creating controversy in their community by starting the first all-female ambulance corps in New York City, Ezra's Nashim? Why, why do this? Why instigate more fire, right, by being on a film? And how did Paula get the idea and discover them and approach them? What did she learn about her own Jewish observance from her experience in, over the five years that she was immersed in these women's world? What were some of the challenges that she experienced as a filmmaker by taking this project on and so much more. I really hope that if you haven't watched the film, you, you'll want to find a screening near you after this interview. It's really phenomenal. But before I bring Paula on, I want to give a shout out to a wonderful listener who recently wrote to me on Instagram and then I she pointed out that she had left a review on iTunes and this is what she said. She said, I've learned so much from this podcast. It really shows the integration between business, spirituality and beautiful values that resonate with me. I am not Jewish, but this podcast speaks to me very deeply as a woman who's building a meaningful life. Thank you so much, Yael. And I thank you, dear listener. That was beautiful. I am so glad that you're here. I'm so appreciative and grateful of the diverse community of women who are listening to the show. And to everybody else out there, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear how you found the show and where you are. It's interesting. This listener, she found the show many, many episodes ago on episode 17, when I interviewed Venezuelan journalist Shirley Varnagi. I guess when Shirley um, shared the episode with her community, she as a native of Venezuela caught the episode and she loved it and she stayed on the show. So thank you for your support. I'm so happy that you're finding it meaningful. And by the way, if you haven't listened to that episode and you speak Spanish, it's really truly one of my best episodes, one of my best interviews. It's totally worth going back to episode 17 and catching it. But anyways, I'd love to hear from you. Leave me a review on iTunes. Find me on Instagram. Find me via email any way you want to. And um, let's connect. And now on to my wonderful guest, Paula Iselt. 
myself. Welcome to Jewish Latin Princess and congratulations on 93 Queen. Thank you. So fun to have you here. I really can't wait to dive in. I'm glad we got to do this. We've been meaning to do this for a long time, but you've been quite busy, thankfully, with really, really awesome things. Paula, I'd like to get started. I'm so curious because you you have this beautiful film. Uh, by the way, I'm actually, by the time this airs, I will have watched the film because it's airing this Sunday in Houston. So I have my ah. ticket ready. <laughs> awesome. Yes, yes. So I'll have to I'll have to catch up with you after that. But um, so your film is 93 Queen. It follows Judge Fryer, a Hasidic lawyer. She's now civil court judge. It's a mother of six who's determined to shake up the quote unquote boys club in her Hasidic community by creating the first all female ambulance corps in New York, Estras Nashim. And you you walk us through the formation, the launch of this organization. This was something that was controversial, to put it mildly, I mean, for these women to do. I'm curious, since this was already risky, um, you know, brazen for these cohort of women whom Mrs. Fry recruited, they were breaking the status quo of their community big time. Um, why? Why on earth did they allow you to take this even more public, to give this even more of a counterculture twist by making a film out of it? I mean, this is a community who doesn't even have TVs at home. Film? How did you manage to convince Judge Fryer and these women that they should let you make this film, Paula? Yeah, great question. And um, I talk about this all the time. So um, I found out about Ezra Snashim and, and Ruchi, you know, this is before Ruchi was Ruchi Fryer. Mm-hmm. Uh, know her today um over six years ago and when i saw i was you know perusing this online um orthodox website news site and i saw this little story about a group of women who wanted to start an all-female ambulance corps because the existing corps Hatzela did not allow women two things immediately struck me when i when i read that the first was that Hatzela banned women. I grew up in an Orthodox community. I'm Orthodox. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have Hatzela. Right. Um, and it never occurred to me that women weren't there. I just had never noticed it. So I was firstly, you know, really shocked with my own blindness. How did I not notice my whole life that women aren't in Hatzela? And then the second part was that there's even, you know, that there's an actual ban on women. It's not just a coincidence. There's an active ban that's been going on since it's since its inception, really. And the second thing that struck me, um, you know, as what you're getting at is here are a group of Hasidic women <laughs> who were not taking no for an answer. They're being defiant in some way. <laughs> they're, they're not in the Upper East Side of Manhattan. They're in Borough Park. <laughs> exactly. This is not modern Orthodox women. These are not progressive, religiously, religiously progressive women. These are Hasidic women, you know, and, and that was really striking. Um, it's something you don't see. Like I said, I grew up, or- I'm, I, I am Orthodox, and my I, I happen to have a Hasidic uncle who lives in Borough Park. So I'm very familiar with the culture and with Borough Park itself. So I, I knew even more how unique this was. Mm-hmm. So then, right, the step was, you know, how to get everyone on board to do this. And um, the second I read this, like I knew in my bones that like this story had to be told. This was not what you normally think of when you see the Hasidish community. It's definitely not, in the, you know, portrayed in film or in media, this type of empowerment. Um, it's not how you think about Hasidic women. You know, the stereotype is that they're oppressed, you know, and that they're, they're subjugated. These are not powerful women. Right. And here was an opportunity to show them 
you know, being empowered, doing something incredible. And I really felt like the world needed this story. And, you know, I work in the film industry. I went to film school. Um, I happen to be orthodox, but I'm a filmmaker first. And I knew even more how, you know, um, lacking that this perspective is in, in my film community. Mm-hmm. So to get Ruchi on board, you know, the two things that really sold Ruchi and the women. And again, this, you know, with any film, any documentary, but especially with this one, the first thing is everything is time. It's building trust. Nothing happens in two seconds. No one, you know, signs on a line at a first meeting. That would be very weird. You know, that, mm-hmm. you know, um, everyone would think that would, you know, something's not right here. It, it's a relationship. It's, it's really, um, it takes time. So that being said, you know, the thing that really got me in was, you know, that I'm Orthodox. I'm, you know, coming in with, with a perspective that I understand these women. I can relate to them in certain ways. I have knowledge of the norms and customs of the community. And I, you know, and, and even, you know, the Hasidic community, I understand modesty, different modesty tenants and customs. And I agreed, you know, that when I'm filming to uphold that and, and, and it was just, you know, a no brainer. There was no, no need to explain that to me. And that already puts, you know, people at ease that, you know, one of someone who's just like you wants to make a film from within. It's a very, you're coming at it from an insider perspective, which immediately um, is comforting to everyone involved because um, you're not feeling judgment in a way. So that was, you know, the first step. And then the second was, you know, I, I explained to Roki the importance of showing the world um, a different truth of the Hasidic community. Mm-hmm. You know, they, the community and the Orthodox community does not have a good reputation in the media at all. You know, we're, we're not very popular and the Hasidic community is definitely not popular. These are not people that, you know, people are endeared to. Um, also, we're stereotyped. I mean, it's so, yeah, that, that's the word. <laughs> yes, yes. And, and it's exactly that. Like, you know, there's really a catch-22 as I see it. It's, you know, the Hasidic community is very insular. So, you know, media is not really welcomed in. It's definitely outside media. And because there's no access there, you know, outside media tells stories from an outsider perspective. And they're largely, like you said, very stereotypical, which becomes very negative. And then the community sees those stereotype stories and says, look, the media hates us. Why should we let them in? Right. And it's this cycle. And I, you know, said to Rocky, this is a chance to break the cycle. And I'm going to give you a platform to tell your story on your own terms from within. Um, specifically, Hasidic women don't have a voice in media. In Jewish media, in mainstream media, you do not hear from these women. Mm-hmm. They're invisible. Um, so I really felt strongly about giving, you know, women living within the Hasidic community a platform to, to tell their own story whether I agree with things or not, you know, um, it's, it's, it's their, they have a voice and they have a right to, you know, be represented. So that's, that's how this all got started. So, so, so let's backtrack one minute in order to have these conversations, because like you said, it takes time. It's not just one email and let's just sign the dotted line. What do you, what do you do? Take Ruchi out for coffee and you just start having these conversations with her? I mean, give us the inside. Yes. Yeah. I, I went, well, I went and I met Ruchi at her house because in that article that I mentioned where I found um you know that they were they wanted to form um her contact info was right there and no I, way yeah <laughs> that and I called her up and 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 you know explained who I was and I and I came I came to her house and that was like the first um step and then you know we spent a lot of time you know talking about it and um 
it took time to, I think, get everyone on board. But Ruchi, you know, she understood the value in this. Mm-hmm. You know, she's a very, very smart woman. Right. Uh, like, she saw the value of it pretty soon. Right. Uh, that, that this had real potential to be great. Of course, you know, during the five years of making this, we were, you know, tested many times or many, many ups and downs. And um, there are times I didn't know if it was, if I, you know, if it was going to happen. There are so many things that happened, um, so many obstacles to overcome, you know, to get this film out there. But, you know, the potential and, you know, is it was so to me so so obvious that I was like, you know, I will do anything to to get this film out there. Um, I just really understood who Ruchi was from talking the first time I spoke to her. You know, I felt like this woman is going to change things in her community. I don't, I you know, mm-hmm. and um, and the in the five years I was with her, I saw that happening. You know, one thing after another. Um, so it was really incredible. So Paula, funny enough, when you're perusing this website, were you actually looking for stories for your next project, or this was totally Ashkahapratis divine providence? It fell in your hand. You were not really looking to for this to be your next career yeah. move. No, no, I wasn't. In fact, I was working on. On another film at the time and uh-huh. I was looking to start something new and my interest when I first clicked on it was you know um, I had just recently had my second son my second child and you know the fact that they were talking about dignified care and helping you know women in childbirth and beyond was something that just as a woman you know really spoke to me mm-hmm. so that's you know was my initial interest and then as I read it and as I you know, did more research and spoke to Rook. I was like, Oh my God, like this is, this is an opportunity of a lifetime. Like this, this story, Good to ha- for you. this is not something, um, I'm ever going to see again, likely. Um, and I really, it, you know, had to pivot from that other project because I felt that this was something truly unique that if I didn't take it now, that would be it. Hmm. However, you were working on this, a really long time. And I understand by yourself, I mean, it's four years that you're committed to something, you don't have a crew, you're doing this on your own. I'm guessing that you're the only one with skin in the game here. How do you manage to stay and there were obstacles, which I'd love for us to get to, but how did you manage to stay committed? I mean, how, how does one do it? I mean, yeah, it was, I mean, it was five years, actually. And, um, you know, it, the first part of it is, you know, filmmaking, that is filmmaking. I mean, like, really, whatever film you're making. Um, and again, I, you know, I, I keep saying this because it's just part of the territory with, you know, making a film, especially your, your first feature length film, like, mm-hmm. it's it's a startup, like you're starting a startup, right? You're an entrepreneur. <laughs> right. Exactly. And, and the fact that it gets made, and it gets distributed, and it gets done is, is literally a miracle. Right. Like, every Film is like its own little miracle. But so for the first two years, in terms of funding and financing, it was really difficult. It was really just me and my wonderful producing partner, who at that time, though, was, you know, more in and out. Um, She really came on 
full full board later on. But the first two years, you know, I was really struggling. People, it was very hard to get funding for this. Um, Did you, were you in some ways committing quote unquote career suicide? Was it perceived like that by people in the industry? Um, like this is not going to be marketable. This is not sellable. I, like you mentioned before, there's this lack, there's a lack of this perspective. Were your peers thinking, what in the world are you doing? Basically, I mean, it was, ex- it's really great that you picked up on that because, you know, I went to first, you know, the typical um, great even funds for women's film, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they, the women were like the least support. They were so unsupported. They're like, really? Why don't these women just leave their community? You know, like why, why are they, like they didn't get it. Um, they, and they just felt like, you know, um, Hasidic women, they're, they're just not, something that the film community is open to seeing them in, in, in another way. And um, that was really disheartening. I was really discouraged. But I, you know, I questioned it all the time, like, how am I going to get the mainstream film industry to see the value in this to see empowered Hasidic women? How am I going to get them to open up to the Hasidic community? I mean, this is and, and again, this is I'm t- not talking about my my personal opinion. This is just like the stereotypes and the beliefs is like this is like a terrible community. You know, this is a community that, you know, hates non Jews, hates outsiders. Why should we care about them? You know, they 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 take they don't give like these are the stereotypes, right? And honestly, like the stories in the news don't help that they really, really don't. It's a big problem. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, you know, humanize this community was very hard to do. But that being said, so, you know, I, for those few years in the beginning, I just stuck with the story, stuck with the story. You know, I had, it was really hard personally. I had a lot of just, you know, self-doubt, mm-hmm. um, but kept going but then like little things happen that that keep like encouraging you so I had you know my mentor from NYU um who's actually the executive producer of 93 Queen Marco Williams he's um a veteran filmmaker documentarian and um he's believed in me since NYU and he stuck with me and he encouraged me and you know you always have those people who cheer you on and just like give you that that strength that chizuk to keep going. So Marco was incredible. My family was incredible. Um, and it was really because of my husband is is unbelievable. He's my co-director in life and everything. Mm. If it wasn't for for that, then it would have been really really difficult. I mean, the Jewish world doesn't really support arts that much, honestly. Right. And, um, and this story also, like, I'm pointing to a flaw in Hatzalah that they don't allow women. That's not a popular thing to do. Hatzalah is a, a, an amazing life saving organization. So, so to say something negative, you're not going to get fans from that. So I was really not pleasing anyone for for quite a while. Mm. Um, but then there were these, you know, then I had really a breakthrough. Um, and I went to this, I got accepted to IFP film market. And that's like IFP's independent filmmaker project. It's a very big um, organization. And they have this, this industry market once a year and connects projects with industry. It's like a very good thing to be at. And so that was like my first little break. And while I was there, um, I met with ITBS, which is a funding arm of PBS, and they loved it and said, you have to apply to our open call. And at the time, I was actually pregnant with my third, Libby, and um, they were, like, really encouraging, but we're like, okay, like, I was with my producer partner, we're like, okay, we'll see. And the application ended up being due, like, 
a week after I had given birth. And I was like, we just got to get it in. Like, like, you know, like nobody gets it on their first try. Mm-hmm. It's seriously impossible to get. And anyway, PS, we applied and I, and I got it on the first try. In fact, like they only do this very rarely because they put in the first money and usually their last money in and they put in significant financing. Um, we became a co-production with PBS. And then once that came in, all the film grants poured in. Um, all Sundance, Tribeca, Abigail Disney's company. I mean, like it was, we had so much industry support. So while it took a long time um, to get people to be open, once they saw it, like a click for them, mm-hmm. I was so supported um, by the mainstream film industry. Um, again, you know, um, there's incredible, incredible support and, you know, it's so gratifying within the Jewish community, especially the Orthodox community right now. But, you know, that my community, right? Like our community was not my champions, <laughs> and, you know, for a long time. And just like Ruchi, you know, like the story of 93 Queen is really the story, you know, is parallel to the story of Ezra's Nashim. Like nobody wanted any of these things. Like we had such resistance from our own communities to do this. Um, and now that we, you know, that everyone understands it it's it's absolutely incredible um but it didn't start out that way it's really just an amazing in a way it's such a huge kiddush Hashem because the part of the beauty of the story of these women starting Esther's Nashim, which you're, I believe, able to capture, and that's what you were going for, is the idea that they didn't, co- it didn't come from a desire on their part to rebel against Orthodox life or Hasidic life, but actually out of like a passion to be true to who they were, like fully true to their lifestyle, which is, you know, why maybe at the beginning, nobody was interested, right? They all want to hear about like, how we hate being Hasidic or whatever. <laughs> Exactly. It was, um, and that's, you know, the, the soul of this film, and I guess you, you'll see more of it, um, is, you know, change from within. It's how people um, who live within communities change that community from the bottom up. And it's from people who truly are invested and, um, and have the ability to make that change. So exactly what you're saying. These are women who very much love being Hasidic. They're they they're doing this to improve their community, not right. to combat it. So and that nuance is, is really important. And in fact, like you said, like most of the film industry wanted to see these women leave at the end. Mm-hmm. You know. Even I think when they were fu- when I was getting funding for it, I think they were hoping that eventually, like the, you know, the, it, they would leave. Uh, <laughs> you know, it was it, it's such a nuance. You know, you'll see it's a very nuanced, complex film. It's not. It's actually not um, in a good way. I think it's not what you think it's going to be. It, 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 it's all the the amazing parts you think and the empowerment, but it it, it really goes deep um, into character and relationships and what does change making that type of change look like? What does it do? for women um between women how do women react to that you know not just the men in the community which is a a really important part of it and you know that nuance and that complexity was my goal I wasn't you know um looking at this as like uh you know either to glorify the community or to demonize the community it was like this is the truth this is what's going on um and these are human beings and human beings are complex and amazing and flawed and all all that into one package Hmm. so um but you know as as we all know nuance is very very difficult these days people want you know want everything either right or wrong either i love you or i hate you 
Um, and, um, you know, to have both of that is, is definitely, um, I think, you know, the truest way to be, but it's also the hardest. Right. That, then that, that was a real challenge for you as a filmmaker. By the way, how did you decide to pursue a career in film? I mean, it's not the typical career for an Orthodox girl, right? I mean, although I've had, oh, I'm come to think about it, I've had a number of guests in the industry who are Orthodox. There you go. Robin Garbos, Leah Gottfried. There you go. Okay. But how did you decide? Yeah. Um, it, it, it was really was really not typical. Um, I believe you know I was the first person in my high school to go to film school. <laughs> there was no film. There was nothing. And um, I decided in in high school I wanted I wanted to be a filmmaker. And I you know what do you do when there's no resources there? So I ended up interning for summers. Every summer I interned in production companies and and that's really what I did in high school and I wrote a lot. And then I got into NYU film school, which was um, incredible. And that's really where, you know, I, I you know, emerged as a, as a filmmaker from there. And, um, you know, navigating film school as an Orthodox woman, and then I ended up getting married at some point there was, you know, really um, an incredible, but, you know, but difficult experience, you know, most of everything is done on Shabbos, everything is shot over the weekend, right. and navigating that and, um, you know, but, it, while it was really difficult, um, it was very enriching to, you know, just to occupy two different worlds at the same time, because that's essentially like what I am and what I do is, you know, I'm embedded in the film industry and, and you know, all my film friends are all, you know, n not Jewish or not religious. Like that's, I have like a different like film life. And I mean, I hope that as you mentioned, more people like it can become more integrated. Mm -hmm. um, that would be lovely. But it's it's essentially just having a foot in two worlds and, and learning how to balance them. And, um, and then hopefully, like, you figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Paula, going back to the film, I'm curious, were there things that were censored that were to remain off limits to you as you followed these characters? Um, I mean, there were people who did not want to be in it mm -hmm. um, and they were not or they were later blurred out. Um, that was that was, you know, that was the biggest thing to, you know, to include that. There's also a statement like a Rebbe is is blurred. Um, so things like that. Um, I heard somewhere or I read somewhere that there was a scene for which you had to beg. Beg. I might have it, it might have had to do with the internal conflict within these women more than their fighting yeah. the establishment. Right. Yeah, that was definitely. Can you tell us about it? Well, yes, I don't want to ruin it um, for you. But there is a very, very um, intense and intimate scene between Rookie and another member. And they're really um, at odds with each other. They're really, you know, it's, it's confrontational. Mm -hmm. And while this whole thing was happening, you know, I, you know, noticed when I was filming what was going on and, you know, and that's kind of like what directing is like seeing which stories to follow, right? Because so many things happen, you have to, you have to know what thread is gonna, well, what's gonna hopefully be a thread. And, like, mm -hmm. and I thought like this conflict was really unique and got 
to the heart um, of making this change, you know, about feminism, about change from within, that this is what it looks like to get an organization like this off the ground. It is not as linear, nice, pretty package. It is messy and people argue and there's a lot of emotion and discomfort and like that's what the best stuff that that yields the best results but you need to put all that hard work into it and all that discomfort to get to that and um I felt it was like I really needed to film this meeting between them and you know it's a very it's the most I think human you know humanizing or I mean the whole thing is humanizing but this scene is really you know the fact that these women are Hasidic orthodox religious whatever they are is is meaningless you know like this is these are two human beings can be anywhere and and this conversation you know um is is taking place it's nothing to do with the fact that uh, of their community or anything like that and it's it's very relatable in a way it speaks to the larger universal messages of the film of you know that feminism is not a one-size-fits-all and um and that change is hard and change is slow and um and this is, you know, a story of those themes. So that scene, you know, if you can imagine if you're disagreeing with a friend, right, and you're really upset at each other and really hurt, mm-hmm. it's hard to have someone witness that, you know, like that's that's difficult. If, yeah, you know, it's very vulnerable. Very vulnerable. If you're arguing with your, you know, your, your best friends and someone's like, can I just watch you guys argue? You know, that that's really hard. So, yeah, I had to really um, beg for that. And um, it turned out, you know, really, um, really, really paying off well. Cause it's, like I said, it's a very human scene. Um, you see both sides. It, it gives you, you know, a very, com- you know, it complicates the story in a really good way where you see, um, you know, the human toll on this and, 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 you know, the internal conflict and the women who have seen it, you know, from Ezra Sashim, you know, are, are really came up to me and like, they're really happy that it was included because, um, it's just shows the truth. Like none of this is staged. None of this is, 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 is like, a, you know, made to just like promote all those we love Ezra's Nashim and I am promoting them because they're amazing, but it's, you know, but it, it's, it, it's really about what really happens. And that scene um, is a really big testament to that. The sweat, blood and tears. <laughs> you going into this, you had no idea that Ruchi would emerge as a candidate for civil court judge, right? This kind of just unfolded as you're following the story. Yep. It was, you know, everything, you know, you can say, you know, it's Hashkacha Pratis. I mean, right. like, there were so many signs here where, and even, even like Ruchi and I would look at each other, I'd be like, Hashem really wants this film to happen. Like, there was, you know, in terms of everything, the funding, this, and things just like, when they were about to fall apart, like, you know, like, just like, came through and, and we just like, kept going. And so this is like, again, like, like, I happened to be filming this survey as a session, and then, you know, Ruchi calls me one day, and she's like, I'm not sure if we're interested, but I'm going to run. I was like, yes, I'm interested. <laughs> and then she won. I mean, on top of that, despite so much opposition. So it's it's incredible. You know, it, it's really... Real life is incredible. It's funny, because when you said that, um, t- you know, you and Ruchi would talk about the the moments, the Ashkar Chapratis and the miracles that would happen throughout and how Hashem won it, you know, how funny it is. It looks like Hashem really wants us to get this film out. It's, it's made me think just another testament to the fact that it had to be you 
You know, it couldn't have come from anybody else because just the fact that another woman is able to have those conversations with another woman to able to see the hand of God in everything. Um, it just kind of had to be that way. <laughs> it, it really, we see this, you know, um, all the time. You know, nobody, like, I, I, nobody else could have appreciated that. And that is a huge part of the project. You exactly that. And, um, you know, we joke about, you know, Rook and I that like, you know, we're, we're just like a really good shit you know, mm-hmm. like we're both just, um, we're, yeah, we're, we're both like very strong and stubborn and <laughs> for, you know, and, and, and also, you know, just understand like the big picture of things and, and it's, it's really interesting. So, so while we're at that, we, you mentioned that there were obstacles and we've sort of touched on that, but I'd love to hear, um, the beautiful and warm, fulfilling moments, perhaps unexpected unexpectedly because you're an insider now into this culture of Borough Park. I mean, can you share with us some of those moments? Did you become part of the family sort of in some ways? Yes, um, I really did become part of the family. Um, I've been, you know, um, weddings. I mean, you know, I know the entire family and um, I'm in touch with everyone. And, um, you know, I, yeah, I, Rocky's daughters, you know, uh, you know, I speak to them. I speak to Leia in Israel. I mean, like all the time. Rookie has been to my house a few times. Nice. She's met my kids. Like we're yeah. I really after years of just like being in their house and you know in a very you know intimate setting. Um, you know that's what happens. And um, in Borough Park, though, I you know my name is Penina, mm-hmm. so I use my Rookie wanted me to use my Hebrew name, which was fine. So. Um, yeah, I really became embedded. Were, would you say there's been things that you could share with us that you learned personally? I'm not talking, we all can learn from this movie about the bravery and all of that. Um, we all get that from the film. But the truth is that you are a Jewish woman. You're now for a number of years, while you're also a wife and raising your children embedded in a very devout, God-fearing community. I'm sure there was inspiration that you have taken with you as an observant Jew yourself um, that only you are privy to like saying it's beyond the scope of the film it's what you gained what I'm asking is what you gained from it personally that really inspired your observance Mm -hmm. my observance I think you know um, you know like I mentioned before just you know I'm very much straddling two worlds constantly and Mm. and you know at times in the film industry you know I it's really hard you know um you know it's hard to um proud isn't the word but you know be sometimes you know so open about my you know who I am my identity I kind of like don't really talk about it because it's not really relevant at most of the time um but I think making this film and um you know learning from the women that to really just be you know very proud of, of my convictions and my identity and just much more um, forward with it and and more accepting of, of that in in you know the larger industry so I'm much more proud yeah un- is- unapologetic maybe <laughs> uh, thank you that's the word unapologetic yes I'm much more unapologetic I you know I don't feel like I need to hide who I am as much where you know that's really what I've been doing for a long time because I you know I didn't want that to, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't want people to judge or, you know, um, have that have any effect on how they saw me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think when you stay true to your values and, um, 
you're proud of who you are, you know, that's respected. People respect that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that, you know, was really nice for me to have that shift. What's next, Paula? I mean, this is your first film film and it has that tremendous success. I know you're a mother. Um, what do you foresee? What, what, what are you what are you planning? I'm sure you're plotting something new. Come on. <laughs> yes, um, I'm in development on on um, an, a new documentary, which hopefully will be awesome. Um, but I can't talk about it. So Jewish <laughs> Jewish themed or no? Um, this large one is not specifically Jewish. No, Jewish themed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have, you know, some shorts. I, you know, I, I really want to do a short because they're so contained um, and and just, you know, fabulous to do. So um, I'm also working on, you know, some shorts and for different um, either advertising or, um, you know, New York Times op doc. So there's there's stuff, a lot of stuff in the pipeline. Um, thank God. Amazing, amazing. Well, we can't wait. Let's wrap it up with what I call JLP fill in the blank. So here's the part of the show where I'm going to give you an open ended sentence. And you're just going to finish it with the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you, you sound nervous, Paula, come on. <laughs> you should not be. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm Paula I salt and I feel most spiritual when most spiritual when hmm, I put my kids to sleep at night. <laughs> That's the best hour of the day. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Spoken like a true mother. <laughs> I, I, I can relate. <sighs> okay. That or the first. Like, well, I mean, it, it, it's yes that like they're sleeping. So I so it's great. But also, um, I, I just love like that time with them. Um, oh, so yes. I find it very, you know, singing to them. It's just I find it very spiritual. Aww. Oh, okay. That's so nice. My favorite mitzvah or one that I connect with the most is? Uh, I mean, this is not <laughs> Well, there you go. It translated into your work. Uh, beautiful. My fondest, sweetest Jewish memory is? Sweetest Jewish memory. Does it have to be one specifically? Mm, no, maybe. Shabbos. I mean, I just love Shabbos. I just, it's my favorite, my favorite part of everything. Yeah. Do you live in the city, Paula? No, I live in Teaneck, New Jersey. Oh, okay. Very nice. Something I wish I had learned about Judaism growing up is? That there's a real diversity amongst Jews. I wish I was more exposed to different types of Jews than I was in my modern Orthodox five towns bubble. <laughs> <laughs> when I give tzedakah, I like to give too. So many. Um, which ones? Anything to do with children. Mm-hmm. Um, anything to do with social justice, fighting on behalf of you know uh, people who are mistreated. Um, but really, I give to children first, always. Nice. Finally, I'm Paula Iselt, and today I'm most grateful for. I'm most grateful um, for my family and my health. Paula, thank you so much. You've been so great, and I I, I can't wait. What more comes out of you? I mean, this is just, uh, please keep us posted and come back and share with us. And everybody, if you're interested in the film and bringing it to your community, right? They should check out the website. Is that correct? Yeah. Please check out 93queen.com. Also follow us on Facebook, 93queenfilm. I'm on Twitter and Instagram as Pizelt, P-I-Z-E-L-T. And um, I also just want to give a plug to Ezra Snushin because they're going to be starting a crowdfunding campaign on March 13th and um, so everyone should be on the lookout for that and you can through 93queen.com you can find Ezra Snushim's website and you can support them there Paula thank you so much really huge yes on your work this 
was really a huge kid of Shoshan. I can't wait to watch the film. I'll call you after and tell you how much I loved it, but I know I, because I already know I will. And I love talking to you. You too. Thank you so much. Thanks to Paula Iselt for stopping by. You can learn more about 93 Queen and watch the trailer at 93queen.com. And to learn more about Esras Nashim, head over to esrasnashim.org. Paula is on Twitter at Paula Iselt and she is on Instagram at P-I-Z-E-L-T. All of this and more back at jewishlatinprincess.com where you can subscribe to my newsletter, email me, and catch up on the latest blog posts. My list of books I read in February is over there as well as recent blog posts on why I don't do it all and I don't think you should either and the importance of saying no. And before I take off, I guess I should tell you that I'm going to be in New York from March 27th until April 8th. It's kind of a long time. So if you are in the New York area, by the way, I'm really excited um, to take a a much needed long break. um, And I hope it's an exciting, productive trip. So if you are in the New York area and would like me to come speak to your community of women or know of anyone who would, this is the time to grab me because I'm already going to be there. And I have so many new courses created that I'm excited about, particularly talks that pertain to money and women and marriage and And well, a ton more, but that just happens to be at the forefront because it's something that I've worked on a ton over the past few months and has me very excited. So if you want to find out more, send me an email and let's see if we can make a visit to your community happen. The countdown to Purim is here uh, next week, at the end of next week, but still, it's pretty soon. It's a time of joy and I really, really hope that everybody is upping up on the joy now that it is the month of Adar, the second Adar this year and I hope you all have a great and super joyful week. Thanks for listening to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes, leave a rating and share the podcast with the Jewish women you love. To access today's show notes, ask Yael a question or suggest a uniquely talented Jewish woman to be featured on the show, visit jewishlatinprincess.com.